Hey, you're listening to Blindsight. Let's go. Dental health isn't something to take lightly. It's time to fight. It's time to thrive. Let's do this. Hello there. This is Blindsight and your host, Bill Lundgren. I'm glad to have you listening in. It's going to be a good program today, of course. I'm going to ask our uh, our guest today to introduce herself. So that is going to be a much uh, quicker way to say <laughs> after sight. <laughs> um, yeah. Hi, Bill. So I am Bridget Kenning Pullpeter. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really glad to have you on board. I understand through the grapevine that you're getting a dog. I am, yes. So hopefully here in the new year, yeah. <laughs> ah, they haven't told you when or anything more about I'm kind of waiting on one piece of documentation to get sent. Um, so that's kind of on the end of that person's, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, they need to get that done. Um, but yeah, after that, we can kind of get rolling now in the next step. But yeah, I'm very excited. I think so. Is this your first dog? It is, yeah. Ah, as a as a dog guide user, I think once you have your dog, you will want never to be without one. <laughs> They're just so great. My mine is. I think mine has gone to bed. He just gets <laughs> bored when I'm talking to other people instead of him. Yeah. So I, anyway, I'm excited. yeah. <laughs> good, good. Well, I wish you the best on that. Thank you. So. Uh, what I wanted to start off with is to see if I could ask you to tell a little bit of uh, our audience, a uh, little bit of your background. I understand you're a journalist, and but you came to journalism uh, not directly. Uh, yes, um, it's kind of a one of those stories where um, I think we all kind of have these ideas ingrained in us that like, oh, we have to hit these certain marks in our life at this point. And, you know, it's it's typically, uh, you know, the measurement is by age, you know, this age, we've got to accomplish this and this age, this. And um, I have certainly found in my life that's not the case um, and have really had to uh, sort of reprogram those those ideas that, you know, what doesn't matter that I'm this age and I haven't quite hit that mark yet. Uh, I started out in the performing arts. That was my original uh, career goal and what I wanted to do. And it was just very uh, narrowly focused on performing, uh, went to college for that, the whole thing. Uh, and then lost my vision in my early 20s. And uh, I, I never really had the thought that, oh, I can't perform as a blind person. But I just sort of had a moment of reevaluation and, you know, what sure. else can I do mm -hmm. with my life? Um, <clears throat> I, you know, got married and, and now all of a sudden it wasn't just, you know, thinking about my own life and went back to school, uh, studied creative writing, initially thought I was going to go into academia and do the whole literary writing thing um, and teach wow. at the collegiate level. Um, and then 
in 2020, like many of us, I went again through another sort of reassessment and, um, you know, w what should I do? What can I do? And uh, I'd been doing uh, communications work for like local nonprofits for a while at that point. Uh, but it wasn't something I really thought about doing, you know, hardcore professionally. And I just sort of had this opportunity fall in my lap to um, contract with an organization to provide a variety of um, communications work, you know, everything from news release writing to content creation. Uh, and then that just sort of lent itself to moving into journalism. And uh, at that point, I'd written, you know, um, creative, uh, like literary type essays, um, but I hadn't really done a lot in <clears throat> the journalism space. And yeah, I had just had a couple editors reach out and <clears throat> excuse me, want me to write for their publications. And I was like, ooh, this is something I can do. Like, I didn't even really know what a freelance journalist was like I didn't know that was something you could do and uh yeah I start kind of starting in 2021 um I just started writing for different national publications as well as local publications um and yeah so it's kind of where I'm at now and um uh I I do also work for a small theater nonprofit here in Omaha Nebraska um but I'm also a contributing writer with the uh Omaha Daily Record here so that's been a really fun and exciting opportunity and it has really led to um, some really great, you know, opportunities for me. Sure. Well, it's funny, as I listen to you, I realize my first career was in marketing and writing. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but I changed, changed from that into doing, doing counseling. Oh, so wow. It, you know, you started off in, in forming, I started off in marketing and, <laughs> and vice versa. But um, you are blind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when did, when did that factor into some of your uh, uh, career choices? We, have you always been or did this, was this a later onset? Yeah, so I was 22. When I was 22, I had a um, sort of health situation, a health crisis happen. Um, I got really sick. And <clears throat> excuse me, as a result, I started losing my vision. And uh, so, yeah, you know, sort of this pivotal time in my life, um, you know, 22, finishing college, you know, to watch all your friends, you know, sort of go off into their careers and their lives. And then not only was I losing my vision, but I was very, very sick and um, had to move back in with my parents. And uh, so, you know, I think I think all that sort of culminated to that sort of me having that moment of, hmm, what should I be doing with my life? Uh Right. And it was like a year of recovery just with my health alone from, from the illness. Um, but then after that, obviously, you know, there was this adjustment period to, um, you know, losing my vision and being blind and started at 22. And basically by 24, I was totally blind. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, was fortunate, was able to get residential training at the Iowa Department for the Blind and did about six months or so there where I met my husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't have the sexiest story, but yes, we met while training. Um, and yeah, I just sort of, um, uh, for me, it wasn't a real 
difficult, you know, I didn't have a a real challenge wrapping my mind around like, oh, well, I can do these things. I just, I was like, well, obviously there's people who are blind and they do things. And, you know, when I went and got the training, you know, was, um, you know, encountering lots of blind people who were doing all sorts of things. And so never really, for me, skipped a beat in that like, you know, well, but I can't do that. You know, I just was like, well, of course I can do things. Um, Some things better than others, but... Um, so yeah, you know, then that's when I, when I was like 26, went back to college, you know, got that second degree, um, uh, that, but I also had kids in between. And so like a lot, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons why, like my professional life sort of had this interesting sort of up and down trajectory. Uh, but, you know, I would say, you know, in terms of like accessibility, um, as you know, you know, writing is something that I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, blind people can do that. Um, but, you know, there also is this level in journalism of, um, you know, our, when you're researching, is the information you're accessing accessible? Um, you know, when you go to an event, um, uh, you know, you sort of have to figure out these ways. I can't just like look across the room and, oh, there's that person I want to go to speak with. Um, you know, so there's some things that I've had to sort of figure out and figure out what works for me, what doesn't work for me. Um, right. um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I think most of us who are blind and low vision, we go through that process. And, you know, it's very unique and individual to each of us. Um, so, you know, certainly I've had to, you know, sort of encounter those situations, uh, you know, but for the most part, um, you know, for me, um, being blind, I actually always say I, I never realized how independent I was until I became blind. Uh, oh, I just, okay. you know, I was just mm-hmm. always like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Of course, I'm going to do this. And, you know, people wanting to just help me with every little thing. And I'm like, no, I no, I don't. I don't need you to do this. Um, uh, or people, you know, wanting to put those limitations on me. I'm like, I will show you now. So, <laughs> um, sure. I, I think just a mix of a stubborn um, personality um, and just sort of being ambitious, you know, sort of led to me like realizing, like, oh wow, I, I didn't realize like I really want it to be this independent person. Um, but uh, um, so, yeah, I, you know, I'd say kind of in terms of how my blindness has informed a lot of this stuff. I mean, obviously it does. There's no way that, you know, having a disability doesn't inform who you are and what you do. But um, for me, you know, I just sort of rolled with the punches and just learned and, and, and you know, I'm continuing to learn and, and grow and just figure out, um, you know, how I move through this world, you know, as a blind person. Mm-hmm. Well, you said something about health problems. Is mm-hmm. it health problem related to the blindness or is that something separate? Uh, it's like, it's very complicated, but I had uh, pneumonia, a viral infection, and a blood infection all at the same time. Ooh. Um, just sort of hit me all at once. Um, the doctors believe that some of it may have been dormant for a while, um, but ultimately kind of what all triggered this was I um, had been um, experiencing um, dealing with an eating disorder for about a decade at that point. Mm. Um, I was diagnosed, I was officially diagnosed with anorexia when I was 18, but it was something I'd been dealing with since I was about nine or 10. And that led to my body not having a great... um, you know, immune system and just really could not, 
you know, fight off what, you know, my was going on in my body um, with all the, these illnesses. Uh, and so, um, you know, at sort of the worst part of it, uh, I was, my body was just completely shutting down. And they told my parents, you really need to, you know, make the preparations for her demise. Um, so fortunately, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, not, not here today as a ghost, thank God. <laughs> uh, but yeah. mm-hmm. uh, once the, the treatment started working and, um, you know, my body started sort of bouncing back a little bit, obviously there were going to be, um, you know, some lingering uh, you know, issues and side effects. And, and one was definitely, I started losing my vision. Um, now I've been type one diabetic since I was four. And so my technical diagnosis, uh, for my eye condition is, um, diabetic retinopathy. Uh, but it was all brought on by this illness because obviously when something like that happens to your body, uh, it's going to impact you if you have diabetes. Um, and so it just sort of, you know, put my body into this tailspin and uh, sort of um, accelerated, you know, issues with my eyes that, that perhaps could have happened down the road, um, just sort of an unfortunate sure. um, side effect of diabetes. So yes, that, that was definitely a um, interesting time in my life, to say the least. But yeah, so kind of in, in a nutshell, that's the, the complicated history of <laughs> how I lost my vision. Wow, you you've been through the ringer. Uh, yes, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, the eating disorder is under control now, or yes, yes. Uh, uh, you know, t- twenty years later, um, you know, I've I've been through therapy, I've been through treatment. You know, I've done the work. Um, it's I, I always tell people that. Um, an eating disorder, um, particularly something like anorexia, it's it's a little bit like alcoholism. It's not something mm-hmm. that you just get cured from and it goes away. You, it's something you always will right. have with you. Uh, but you learn how to identify triggers. You learn to recognize what is uh, your healthy thinking and what is not healthy thinking. Um, and so... You know, like a really big trigger for me has always been um, feeling out of control. And so even now, if, if I, you know, have those feelings, um, I will have the thoughts, I will have the feelings, but I know, I know now what they are and what is causing them. Um, I also, you know, have my support that I can, uh, you know, turn to and talk to. Um, and, you know, therapy is just sort of, for me anyway, an ongoing thing and, and always just having a therapist and, and, um, uh, for, for, you know, a variety of things, not just um, this, uh, but certainly that helps, you know, if I am going through a period where I'm starting to, you know, feel the, the you know, sort of toxic thoughts coming up and that's somebody that I can definitely go to and, um, you know, process things with. Well, I'm glad to, to uh, have a confirmation that you really see yourself not, quote, cured, but uh, in the recovery process, yeah. as we talk about in addiction, because that's that's so important. Because people think, "Oh well, now I'm fine," and then they're off and running. But you have respect for that, yes. And uh, certainly, everyone should respect you for taking taking on that and and uh, and healing. Yeah, I I think. 
I think there's just so much misinformation still about eating disorders, what constitutes an eating disorder, um, you know, treatment for an eating disorder. Um, and, and like when in my particular situation, being thin was highly praised. Um, you know, people in my life, you know, you want it to be thin. Um, that was something that was, you know, a great achievement, um, you know, if, if you were thin. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when, and I, I was always, you know, a thin child and a thin teenager, but, but when things got really bad, it was so normalized that people were not immediately concerned. And, you know, my, I'm, you know, five, six, and at my lowest point, I was like 90 pounds, um, very skeletal. Um, it, it didn't look nice. Um, you know, my hair was falling out with scalp attached to it. Um, but, but it was not an immediate concern because again, and this is a a whole other conversation, um, but we have Mm -hmm. normalized so much what a good, body images in our society that, you know, it's, it's, um, and, you know, the people around me, you know, family and friends, you know, I, I don't blame them either because again, we've just all sort of been ingrained with these societal ideas about what, what beauty is and, and what a body should look like, particularly for, um, you know, women. And, um, and even for me, like, like to not, um, fully understand that, this, you know, this, this is not something that should be, uh, I, something I want to achieve, something that I want to attain. Um, you know, that was never really my thought process because it wasn't how I was raised and it wasn't the message that was being sent, um, you know, in, in society, um, that, you know, that, that body doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, certainly with eating disorders, a lot of it is wrapped up in that body image and how you look and what your weight is. Um, but a lot of it also has to do with control and, um, um, you know, um, obsessive compulsive disorders. Um, you know, there's just so much more to it than that. Um, and I just, I, I, for me, educating myself on these things and really understanding, um, sort of the psychology of it and, and how the brain is working um, has also been important for my recovery. Um, and, and so that hopefully I can also, you know, have these conversations with other people and, and you sort of teach them this as well. Um, but yeah, I do think it is important to understand that it, it is a recovery and it's, it's, you know, and you're in recovery, you know, for your whole life if, if you, um, are diagnosed right. with mm-hmm. an eating disorder because yeah, it's, it's, um, it's never, th- those feelings will crop up from time to time and they may not be super bad. Um, but you know, it certainly can happen and it's, it's easy. It is easy to slip back into those, um, negative behaviors and, um, you know, like, Oh, I'll skip a meal here. Or, you know, one meal like that, that doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, if you've been diagnosed with an eating disorder, that can be a very big deal. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of educating yourself um, and just understanding that, you know, yes, this is going to be a part of, you know, your life, your identity. Um, but, you, you know, there there is a way through it and that you can get help. And, um, you know, you're not always going to just be mm-hmm. in the, the middle of it. But it, and it certainly is very different from, uh, say, alcoholism, mm-hmm. where one of the one of the things you have to uh, 
for most people, uh, not drink, mm-hmm. or you will be off and running. We have to continue eating. Yes. So it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. You know how do we eat in a healthy way instead of in this compulsive way, or not eat, and uh, and change change your whole mindset, which you obviously have, and you. Uh, Started your recovery before your vision loss or while your vision was going? Yeah, I, so I, when I was 18, um, I did, uh, that's when I was officially diagnosed. Um, I was um, in a psychiatric hospital for a time, and that's when treatment um, formally started for me. Uh, but certainly after I uh, lost my vision, um, I was still, you know, continuing with treatment and with therapy. Um, so you still had to you had to deal with both. You had to deal yes, with both at the same time. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I, even though, even though, um, and, and again, you know, I. I Again, yes, um, eating disorders and alcoholism are not the same thing, but there are very similar threads. And, um, you know, just like if you go through rehab for, you know, addiction or alcoholism, um, doesn't always take, uh, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it is a constant process. It's constant work. And so, yes, certainly, yeah. um, you know, from 18 to 22, I was still very much in the middle of dealing with all this and, um, you know, and yes, and then, and then we pile on top of that, you know, health issues and losing your vision. And uh, so it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, but I was just fortunate to have some good support at the time. And I think also for me, um, when you almost die, that gives you a lot of perspective. Um, I kind of came out of my right. health uh, crisis with like this new... Um, idea about about life and about my life and like maybe I need to start making some different choices and that for me just really sort of activated me to really want to take the treatment serious and um, you know move forward with my life and and then of course when I met my now husband um, I really wanted to you know I like I saw a, a life with this person and, and you know want to be around not not only be around for it but be healthy for it um, and then of course when when children came along um, same thing, you know, it's, it's not only do I want to be healthy for my kids, um, but right. I don't want them growing up with the same ideas, the same messages that I grew up with. I want them to have, you know, very different ideas about, um, body image and, um, you know, what's, what's acceptable and, you know, what's not. And so it's really, really motivated me to, um, continue that work and continue to learn, um, so that hopefully in some way I'm, you know, teaching them a little bit different values, you know, than sort of what I grew up with. Wow. Well, uh, again, I have to say congratulations, and because that was uh, must have been very daunting. But uh, uh, you obviously uh, are uh, have reconciled all of that to, to yourself, and as you say, are moving on and and doing things for yourself. You've been married for a while. You have two kids. Yes. Yeah. 
How's that been for you raising the two kids? <laughs> uh, being parent, <laughs> uh, being a parent is is it's a it's a very interesting uh, challenge. Um, I mean, I love my kids; they're great. Um, they are eleven and seven now, uh, so not not little babies anymore, um, which is good. Uh, I am all about uh, my kids being independent and growing up and <laughs> learning to do things right, for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I I wasn't really somebody who grew up like, oh, I want to be a mom. Can't wait to be a mom. Um, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe someday. But I wasn't really that person that was just like, yes, I want to be a parent. And even once my husband and I got married, you know, it wasn't really on my radar. And then, you know, as many of us happens, I just sort of hit this, hit that biological clock one day. I was like, oh, maybe I want kids. Uh and that, that again, whole other story, but there was a little bit of a journey in my husband and I being able to have children. Um, but, you know, we, we have these two wonderful kids and um, two, two boys and I, you know, just couldn't, couldn't ask for two better kids. They're just, you know, they're, they're equal parts frustrating and adorable. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I think, I think for people who, who make that choice, you know, to want to have kids, it's, it's definitely um going to be challenged but it also can be very rewarding um it's a lot of work you know but it's also a lot of fun well when you when you were saying you want to raise them differently than you were raised uh you know it's kind of a tall order because you have to figure out what's 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 going to work yeah Uh, if you're going if you grew up with a certain model of interacting a parent and child then you have to create something new out of whole cloth. Yeah, you know, I, I think for those of us who who have children by whatever means, you know, we want to do better. Um, you know, we want to make better choices as a parent. Um, there's so much information out there on how to parent and different parenting styles and methods. And, you know, this is how you should talk to your kids. You know, this is language you should avoid. You know, it, it can be a little overwhelming. Um, and there's just yep. a lot of noise coming at you as a parent. But I think, I think right. for the most part, I think you kind of know instinctually like what works for you and your family. And it is going to be very individual again. You know, what, what works for my family doesn't necessarily work for other families and that's okay. There's really not truly one way of parenting. Um, You know, there's not really a good or, or, you know, bad or or right way. Um, But yeah, I just, I think for me, when it, in terms of, of kind of taking in outside information or advice, it's things that sort of have to really vibe with my own personal sense of the world and, and how I feel about things. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's... It's it's a very interesting conversation, and then then you know if if you're parenting with with a partner, um, you both have to have these conversations, and like you know, there are times where you might have different <laughs> opinions about how to do right. something, mm-hmm. um, and again, that's not you know good or bad, but it's just it's just reality. We're all human beings, um, you know, and, and certainly in in my relationship, I'm the person that you know I do all the research, I read all the stuff, you know, I, I think about it all the time, and. My husband's just like, yeah, just tell me, just tell me what to do. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, we, th- there's all sorts of things, especially in this day and age that, you know, 
you know, how do I have a conversation with my child about this? And, you know, what's the best way? And, you know, at the age that they're at and, and, you know, all those things you have to think about. But yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I have a wonderful family, but also, you know, as family is, you know, uh, we all just sort of have these different ways of viewing the world and, we take in information and we, we dissect it differently. Um, and, you know, particularly when it comes to, you know, my eating disorder and, you know, body image and what bodies are acceptable in the world. And, and now a lot of this plays into disability as well. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, people with disabilities often um, don't always, quote unquote, look, you know, the standard, um, you know, because of my particular eye condition, my eyes have atrophied. Um, and so they're a little sunken in now. Um, so they don't have the same appearance they used to. Um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, again, it's just what bodies are acceptable and what aren't. And, um, you right. know, whether it be body size, whether it be, some anomaly about you, you know, what your skin color is, you know, all these different things. Um, I really try to engage in those conversations with my kids and um, not shy away from talking about that and not making one body more acceptable over another or one not as acceptable. Um, And just, you know, we all like, isn't the world great? Like we all, there's this thing called diversity and we all just have different bodies. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Um, you know, my, my two children uh, happen to be uh, pretty thin kids, um, so they kind of live in this this thin privilege bubble. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I want them to to be aware, though, that like your body isn't isn't the right body. Like that's just your body, and that's you know how it was made, how it was created, and how it was supposed to be. But there's also these other bodies, and that is okay as well. Um, it's it's just so important for me to have those conversations because I didn't, you know, and my upbringing, you know, again, the thinness was, was, was praised and something that was desirable. Um, you know, um, you know, if you weren't thin, there was probably something wrong with you or you were doing something wrong. And, you know, that's just not the case that that's, um, just so much misinformation about all that. And again, we could have a whole other conversation exactly. about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I just really am very cognizant of that with my kids, uh, in, and, and even, you know, I, I, you know, I do like to exercise. I like to do yoga. Um, uh, but I try to really not make it about body and weight and, and all those things that exercise tends to get wrapped up in. Um, uh, like for me, yoga actually is really good for my mental health. Um, and one reason why I do it, um, and, you know, I, I sort of address conversations like that with my kids in that way, you know, um, you know, how is this good for us mentally versus how is this good for us body wise? Um, so, you know, I don't know. That's just sort of something that's been very important for me and in my journey as a parent and having those conversations with my kids and really trying to hopefully some of it's rubbing off that they just sort of look at the world a little differently Um than how I, you know, used to, and hopefully mm-hmm. won't have to do as much, you know, <laughs> reprogramming as I've had to do uh, over the years. But, you know, it, it is, it's hard being a parent. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, you can, you can do your best, you can do what, what works for you and just, you know, hope that, that uh, some of it, you know, is <laughs> rubbing off on your kids. Well, I, I, what I hear from you 
is talking about that uh, you've learned a lot in in coming to this stage of the game, uh-huh. and you you have a sense within yourself is what what makes sense for you. Yeah. And and how to keep yourself healthy, and you convey that to the kids who haven't had the life experiences that you have, but uh, given them a message as to how they can uh, not have the uh, the bad stuff that you had, but uh, you know, in in effect, indirectly learning from through learning through you of your experience. Yeah. And that is so valuable, you know, say, hey, you know, this is the way it's important for you to look at yourself, at your body image, and what you need to do to take care of yourself. That's what you've learned, and you're conveying it to the kids. And that's so important. And I'm sure both the boys are very different from each other. They're not carbon copies, I'm willing to bet. So you have to, you know, figure (laughs) out how to convey differently from one to the other, but bring them both to the same kind of understanding that you've had without having to go through the trauma that you had to to do. And that's a toughie for parents. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, 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 again, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting being responsible for these little human beings. Um, my my favorite coffee mug uh, on it, it says, um, today's goal is keeping the tiny humans alive. <laughs> um, they what? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, today's goals are keeping the tiny humans alive. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's basically what parenting is. Like, you know, make sure these these kids are, you know, okay, um, make sure their needs are met, and we send them out into the world, you know, uh, um, you know, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, they are children, they are minors, but they are also individuals, and, um, you know, they get to make choices, um, um, you know, I am not their prison guard, uh, um, you know, there certainly are expectations at home, but also, you know, I feel like they they get a, you know, they are active participant in their in their life and in decisions that get made about them, uh, and you know, um, I mean, it's such a small thing, but you know, one of my kids just he loves to have his hair a little longer and floppy. I don't care; it's his hair. You know, um, hair, hair is hair. You can cut it. It can grow back. You know, it can grow long. You can cut it. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but, you know, I like them to feel like they have some agency in their life, even though they're young kids. And, you know, it's it's just, um, yeah, just trying to impress the, those values on your kids. Um, you know, and, and yes, you know, I have two kids who are very different. You know, not only is there a five-year age difference, um, but they they just have different ways of processing information and, um, uh, you know, different interests and, and, you know, all those things. And so, um, you know, it's just always, always sort of figuring out how do we have these conversations and, um, you know, and also just, you know, what are the important things that we want to impress on our kids? Uh, but, you know, yeah, it's, um, it's never, it's never going to be easy being a parent, but 
just, you know, again, hopefully I, I'm raising, you know, two, two kids who are going to go out to the world. And, and, um, you know, for me, the most important thing is, is for them to like be kind and generous. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully we are, we are doing that. We'll send some kind, generous kids out into the world. But certainly you've laid the groundwork for, for them to, have they had any reaction to realizing that their parents are different from other parents uh, uh, in just in the in the area of vision? Yeah, I um, you know, I I think when you have kids who just grow up with a parent who you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's blindness, you know, different disability, um, right. having a biracial mm-hmm. parent, you know, my my kids, their dad is part Middle Eastern, um. It's just sort of, it's just always there. It's always around them. They, they don't really know any different. Um, you know, our kids very early uh, picked up on that mom and dad, like, aren't going to see you across the room to pick you up if your arms are up. Um, so they would crawl over to us. You know, they would put things in our hands. Um, and I, I hear this from a lot of other blind parents that the kids just sort of naturally do this. And um, so they've never really... Um, at least verbalize to us, um, you know, oh, like, you guys are different. Like, why is that? I, certainly, they've asked us about, you know, our blindness, you know, um, uh, questions about that, you know, um, you know, what can you see? Uh, uh, but it's just been so normalized for them that, you know, as of yet, knock on wood, we've not really had them uh, you think differently, you know, about us per se than other parents. Uh, and, you know, right. also we have, mm-hmm. we have other blind, you know, adult friends as well. So it's just sort of something they've been around their whole life. And it's not unusual to them, even though, you know, now that they're at school, like we tend to be the only disabled parents, you know, showing up for things. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But, but, you know, for our kids, it doesn't really seem to be like a weird thing. Um, you know, it's just like, oh, well, that's my mom and dad. Like, you know, that's just who they are. So we'll, we'll see once they hit teenagehood. We'll see what happens then, <laughs> um, which, which my, my oldest, he is about to hit that in two more years. So, um, but yeah, they, I think just, just, it's been so normalized, you know, just from day one since they were born, you know, having parents who sometimes did things a little differently to them, it, it's not really been an, an unusual thing. Um but, you know, but, but we, yes, have had some conversations, just, you know, just curiosity, like anybody does, um, about, you know, our blindness and what that means. Well, uh, the way that I hear you really saying, uh, we treat disability, blindness, uh, all the things that you've gone through, through uh, just as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It, it's not something that you're ashamed of, and they pick that up. They picked, oh, this is, you know, mom's fine. Uh, you know, we we don't have to feel any shame because mom doesn't feel, you know, like shame or whatever. She's very matter of fact about it, and it's a good role model. Yeah, that's that's a really great way of putting it. Yeah, I think I think yeah, we just this is like these are the facts of our lives, and um. I think that, you know, it, it, it's never going to be consistent, um, but I think right. that probably does, you know, help in sort of creating this, this 
mindset around disability for our kids. And, you know, it's a similar to with, with the eating disorder. You know, even if I do have issues with my body, I just, I never talk about that around my kids. Um, right. you know, I don't mm-hmm. talk about diet. I don't talk about, you know, food management. Um, cause I just want this to be like, Oh, these are just, you know, we, we eat food and we have different bodies and I just want those to be facts that my kids grow up with. Um, and so hopefully it is normalizing things, um, more so, um, so, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of the struggles of mine, I yeah. keep internal, but, but yeah, I really like that. I didn't really think about it that way before, but yeah, certainly presenting it as these are just the facts and this is how mom and dad are. And, um, you know, certainly my husband and I, you know, we are not, uh, ashamed of, of our blindness and, you know, for us, you know, and people always say, Oh, I just, you know, cause I didn't, you know, wasn't always blind, but I'm like, I've had 20 years to adjust. Um, you know, at this point I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, it's, it's not, um, uh, a devastating thing for me. Um, and I've had 20 years to, to, you know, deal with all that. So, I. Yeah, I just, you know, um, that's uh, something that I think for my kids is just, you know, they seem to have sort of subconsciously picked up that, you know, well, mom and dad are fine, so I don't really need to think about it. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, you've had 20 years, but you've also have, uh, you know, very positive attitude about yourself, about raising kids, about uh, doing the things that you like doing, including, you know, doing the writing that you're doing now. And that, uh, and sometimes it's the things that's unspoken that are meaningful to kids. That is the unspoken acceptance of yourself is a, a really important message to give kids to accept themselves as they are. Yeah. Well, and, and I, that's quite an, yeah, I was just It's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yeah, and and I think too that um for me and I, I think that the way we define productivity particularly in this country um needs some uh rethinking. Um but I think finding something whether it be employment or something else, but I just think finding something that makes you feel good, that makes you feel productive in whatever way I think that really helps with all these things, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's uh, going through or living with a disability, whether it's parenting. Uh, You know, I know for me, there was a time where I wasn't really doing anything besides being a parent. And it was like, get me out of here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, you know, I just, I needed something for me to make me feel like I was doing something and I was contributing. And, you know, I I think again, you know, whether that's a job, whether it's volunteering, um, you know, whether it's an activity, um, you know, I just, I think that that can, um, help a lot of us in so many ways, um, deal with a lot of things going on in our lives because, you know, it gives you that opportunity to, to sort of leave the house or just sort of leave the, the, the you know, the um, mundane things behind and, and do something different, maybe meet some people. Um, I know for me, that's just really been um, crucial um, and and something that I just sort of needed for a variety of reasons, um, you know, so I'm not just, you know, sitting and thinking <laughs> in my head about all the things um so i think finding finding those opportunities to just have something for yourself that that you know gives you joy um can be so beneficial i think that's a wonderful message to be giving people at the beginning of a new year (laughs) and 
on that, I want to thank you for being on Blindside today. I wish you all the best. Uh, I hope that sometime both you and your husband will be able to come on. Uh, but we certainly wish you and your family all the best. Thank you. And to our audience, it's been uh, great to have you listening in and hearing what you've been hearing. We look forward to uh, being with you again. Remember, any feedback you want to give us, it's uh, feedback at aftersight.org. And we certainly look forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much.